Welcome to Gadgets, a podcast from Gizmodo where we woman-splain the latest technology. I'm your host, Gizmodo Consumer Technology Editor, Caitlin McGarry, and I'm joined by my co-host, Gizmodo Reporter, Florence Ion. Hello, Flo. Tis the season to wear a blanket while podcasting, which I am doing right now, and my legs have a blanket. I love that for you. It is chilly today. Um, I have a confession to make. So it's about noon, our time. Mm-hmm. I've had two giant cups of coffee and a peppermint brownie, and that's it. Good so for you. Are, Good we are for on you this on train. That brownie. Was it a Starbucks one? It was not. It was uh, Trader Joe's. Okay. You know, just getting in Still the good. spirit. Also, I ran out of time to make any food. So we are caffeinated. We have sugar. <laughs> My spirit has left my body and my ghost is podcasting. So thank Uh, you for joining me. (laughs) This is how, uh, you know, people our age party. We podcast after doing all that, you know, caffeine, caffeine burst. So I know. What a rush. We're in Ibiza right now. Yeah. (laughs) You got to do some club sounds. I'm manifesting. Okay. Um, I forgot how to do a club sound. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, Well, we're just going to not try it. Um, but this week, Flo, I'm really excited. We are talking about movies. Yes. So obviously the pandemic scaled back the new releases and we weren't going to movie theaters and I got overwhelmed by the streaming options. So it's been a lot. But it feels like right now there are more movies to see than anyone possibly has time for. So io9 editor jill pantosi will be joining us to explain what we need to see and what we can skip yes it's good to have a cheat sheet exactly uh, like who has time for all of this well not us <laughs> no definitely not I, I barely have time to make myself a meal um but since we're in the spirit we're then gonna fangirl over flow our favorite holiday movies oh i can't wait i can't wait a little walk down memory lane i have Mm -hmm. so many that i just grew up with and i still watch every year so i'm excited to oh i'm excited to to learn oh that's good we're gonna leave some folks with some christmas uh holiday spirit holiday spirit yes um but first we're gonna talk about a tale as old as time and that's iOS versus Oh, Android. I thought you meant Beauty and the Beast. No, oh, iOS. No. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> right, right. M- more relevant to our lives specifically okay. because, Flo, <laughs> you are a green bubble and I am fully enmeshed in the and Apple apparently, ecosystem. And apparently it's a puke green now on iOS. What, what, are, what are you guys on now? iOS 27? What, iOS what 15. Are you, wait, it's puke green? Let me, let me check I'm my... describing it as such. To, just I it's saw a screenshot. Same... The other day, and I was like, wow, that's not like a jovial, you know, gack green or something, you know, that's what I, I was hoping. I feel like it's, uh, it's, you know, kind of like a Nickelodeon green, I feel. Hmm. I don't think it's puke green. I mean, it's it's hmm. it's cute. It's just green instead of blue. What about hmm. snot green? No. I, I had this convo with some – with with my my buddy Andy and Notco and we've just been trying to figure out what green the green bubble is and I landed on some sort of bodily function because it angers me that that's the color Um, that I am on your phone I mean green is not inherently (laughs) a bad color like I love the color green no it's not it is why when did we start to equate green with bad and blue with great when I was called a green bubble and shunned out of (laughs) 
I mean, I still text you. My goodness. It's true. It's, yeah, you do. You okay, slack me well, a lot more often these days. But anyway, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so as you can tell, this obviously causes us some headaches sometimes. So we're going to dive yes. into that great divide right after this break. Flo, you are an Android user. I am. Guilty as charged. (laughs) Yes. Let's just just lay our cards on the table. Not just an Android user. I'm like waving the freak flag. I am that annoying person with like the lifted truck with all the bumper stickers. Um, Oh my gosh. It's the good kind of bumper stickers. It's the I use Android. (laughs) Sure. Apple. Right. You're the kind of Android user who has been trying to get people to use Google Duo for years. Is that even still a thing? Duo? I just used it last night to podcast oh, on my other I'm podcast, sorry. so I am trying what to was move the other people. App? Allo? Allo, I, Google, oh, Allo. R.I.P. Rip. It was okay. one of my faves. It was one of my faves. Right. I actually, side note, follow mm-hmm. some of the artists from those sticker packs. They're still, um, they're still very uh, prolific, which I'm happy okay. about. Well, that's so. good. Yeah. Um. Needless to say, you are a Android power user, and I am an iPhone user. Correct. And so this causes us some, you know, there's there's a little bit of a rift, especially when it comes to messaging. Oh, God. Yes. And something that most people don't realize, uh, and I was one of them until you told me, is that so on the iPhone, when you're using iMessage, you can double tap a message to heart it or laugh at it or like just add an exclamation or question point. And it's just it, like, yeah, which I got yesterday. It's just a way of like, <laughs> how dare you? It's question. just a way of like quickly reacting to something. Like, you know how you do on Instagram, you just like heart it and then you can be done with the conversation. And I didn't realize that for you guys, that shows up as a really annoying text. Like, you don't get the actual tap back it's called no emoji you get a text yeah it's like so and so has laughed at this message or something equally annoying or so and so has emphasized this message needless to say it's not cute for you guys the way it is for us but google is now rolling out a uh, a way to convert that from mm-hmm. a less annoying message to an emoji so soon i can you know tap on your message and you'll see a little heart emoji instead of an annoying like Caitlin loved this message. Has this are you using this yet? No, that's so I'm making faces because I realize nobody sees us on camera. Yes. I'm making faces as Caitlin's describing this because <laughs> Flo I'm realizing like <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Absolute disbelief. I know. You're like, I've never heard this before. <laughs> Well, it's just because I've been having conversations through Google Messages. Granted, I'm using them primarily on a OnePlus 9, and I haven't experienced any emoji mm-hmm. situation yet. Actually, I've been having some okay. messaging issues lately. I wonder if it'd be different on this, because I have a I have an additional SIM for the testing of all these, because there's so many damn Android phones. <laughs> so I have to have multiple so SIMs. Many. Um, and so I have a Pixel 6 Pro that I have a SIM inside of it, but I don't text using that. So I haven't I haven't been able to test this or anything. Perhaps we should maybe try it soon. Just Yeah. But but Let's test when it Google rolls things out, like they usually take a while. It's never like a hey, here, come download this thing and get it. It's always a just wait until it rolls sure. out to you. 
<laughs> I don't know Which what is metric they use. Because as an iPhone user, like we all, all iPhones get all the same features at the exact same time. The update hits on a specific day. Everyone can go download it. So that's very strange that Android phones, the cadence of updates is all over the place. Depends on who makes the phone. But people have been saying for years that Apple could fix all of this by making iMessage work on Android phones, like a little iMessage app for Android. Sure. And (laughs) while that would be great, um, I don't see that ever happening because one of the main reasons why people like just stick with the iPhone and they don't switch to Android Well, there's a lot of reasons, but it's Mm -hmm. really annoying to transfer all of your messages from an iPhone to an Android phone. Like, you end up losing messages. It's just, like, not an easy process. And if Apple made that easier, it would be, you know, basically encouraging people to just abandon the iPhone. What was it? Was it was it Craig Federici? I believe that's how you say his last name, who said that, like, if if we made iMessage available, then we'd be selling Android phones to the children of iPhone users. Again, this is another thing I learned from Andy, Mm. who told me that he Mm -hmm. said this, um, which makes complete sense. And this whole like... uh, this whole dif- difference between messaging is like a bummer, but I get it. That's good for business. Sure. At the end of the day. Yeah. There are security, you know, upsides to this as well. Everything stays encrypted. But if you're a person like me who has, I have text messages going as far back as 2014 on my phone right now, which is wow. probably a bad thing. I know, but it's because every time I get a new phone, I just do the sync app situation and Mm -hmm. just move them all over might as well have my entire life on a brick that's on me all the time Mm -hmm. Um, i couldn't even imagine Mm -hmm. moving those (laughs) iMessage or anything in that capacity no but i do wonder if like because we complain a lot about you know how facebook owns all of these apps like whatsapp is i think the most widely used app in the world and it's owned by facebook or now known as Meta. But like, I think Apple could probably very easily compete by just developing an iMessage that worked across all phones. And then people would have, you know, more expectation of privacy because that's Apple's thing. I don't really know. I'm sure there are some logistical questions there that I'm just not thinking about because I'm, you know, not thinking about them. But I do wonder if that would be better for people to have a real, you know, competitor to WhatsApp. But I don't, I just don't see it ever happening. You mean better for society? I think it would. (laughs) Better for society, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Caitlin, do you remember when years ago, so Caitlin and I knew each other before we were here at Gizmodo, and... um, Uh, Flo, we've known (laughs) each other for almost a decade. Uh, Actually, a lot longer than, yeah. But we're not... Yeah. I'm I'm not not doing this again. trying not to do it, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we went to the Women's March um, way back, way back when, and we could not text each other to try and place each other, which, by the way, I had, I'd never been to D.C. before, so I had 
I realized later after I was trying to text you, I had no idea where I actually was. <laughs> I was telling you I was in the wrong right. place. <laughs> yes. It was like, I'm by a giant tree. And it's you're like, like, oh, no, this no, is never going to work. <laughs> this is not working. But we had tried using, remember back in the day, they had, I think it was called Fire Chat. And it yes. would use like Bluetooth pinging. And yes, it's use- a messaging app that mm-hmm. works even if you have no internet or cell phone signal. Yeah. Um. And it uses like a mesh networking technology, like using other people's phones to create this network. Um, And presumably it should have worked in this exact situation. But But I was thinking about that because they really tried to push even back then, back then, it was only like five years ago, but we were trying really hard to have like a democratized messaging app, like something that anybody could use. It was kind of like business agnostic. And, you know, if you wanted to use it for organizing, which was kind of fire chats thing, mm-hmm. um, like you could without any worry about big tech, you know, sure. being behind you. Unfortunately, that stuff didn't really take off. I think fire chat closed down. But I have been thinking about <laughs> just there is no third party chat app outside of what Facebook offers. So in order for you and I to have like beautiful parity between our two platforms, like we have to use another third party. Yeah. Yeah. It's extremely annoying. It is. And I think, I mean, I'm not going to rule out, you know, some solution coming that would make this easier. Like Apple eventually made FaceTime open to Android users. You guys can't you guys can't start a FaceTime, but you can join one if invited. <laughs> Which you yeah. know what? That would be fine if I could iMessage invite you into, you know, a thread and that would make life easier. But <sighs> Flo, today's not that day. It's not. It's not. I just try not to tap back response to your messages because I know it will irritate you. I didn't even know what tap back was until today. I didn't even know that that's what it was called. I was like, oh, yeah, it's just a reaction message. Mm -hmm. It's a tap back. (laughs) It's a tap back. Now now you know. (laughs) I'm going to I'm going to tap back that convo we just had with a an emphasize, which is I found out two exclamation points. That's right. It is. That's all it is. (laughs) Cool. Thanks. On on that note. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we are about to get ready for Jill to join us to talk about movies. So we're going to take a quick break. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. So this week we are chatting all about the holiday movie season and we have a special guest to help us figure out what to watch and what to skip. 
Jill Pantosi, editor of io9, is joining us. Hello, Jill. Welcome to the pod. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. We're so excited to have you because you know everything that's coming out, everything that's already been released, which Mm -hmm. is more than I, I, yeah, I can't. There's Um, too much content. (laughs) Too much content. After like the driest period in movie history, now we have so much to watch. And I need to know what three movies would you say people are really excited about this season? Gosh, I, well, okay, so I'll go with the, the obvious cup. No, let me go with the not obvious one. Okay. Um, Nightmare Alley, which hmm. is from Guillermo del Toro. Oh, and yes. it is, um, it was previously adapted. It's a, it's a story from the forties, but it was previously adapted back then. It's basically a film noir, um, takes place in like carnival, you know, community and um, people, you know, may or may not have like powers to read people's minds, that sort of thing. But it's very, you know, stylized in that Del Toro way you expect. And that one literally just had its, its like world premiere in New York. Um, so far, it's sort of mixed, um, oh. saying like it is very Del Toro, but the story up until in, until the end is sort of like iffy. Okay. Um, I don't think that's going to stop anyone because Guillermo del Toro is an amazing creator. Yes, um, absolutely. So, yeah, and that one, it just looks looks so pretty. And it has Bradley Cooper in it, Kate Blanchett, who is just a queen, um, Willem Dafoe, Tony Collette. Like, it's a ridiculous cast. Everybody, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've seen the trailer. It looks, I, I mean, I'm always a little too scared of, of his <laughs> movies. Every time I watch, I'm like, mm, do you want to do this? Yeah. And then I do it. And I'm like, mm, I don't Same. know. I don't know Same. if that was for me. <laughs> but yes, people will be very excited for that one. So then the obvious one is the Marvel movie coming out in December. And that is Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, of course, still a combo film with Sony, um, who okay. still owns the rights and Marvel, you know, made a deal with them. Um, but it is the third film for Tom Holland as a solo film for him with Spider-Man. And it is a lot, <laughs> have to you, say the least. Have you seen it already? I have not. They've not screened it yet. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but, so the story is, we have Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange in it. Right. And in the last film, if you saw it, Peter had his identity, his secret identity, revealed to the world, right? Yeah. So he's in a bad spot. So mm-hmm. he goes to Doctor Strange and he's like, can we do a spell so that everyone forgets? Oh, oh but I also, I want MJ to remember and I want this person, you know, so. <laughs> Just some loopholes, a couple yeah. loopholes, yeah. But he screws up the the whole thing in Doctor Strange, who should know better, um, you know, loses concentration. And because of this, characters from other Spider-Man series prior to all this Marvel stuff are now showing up. So you have Alfred Molina's Doc Ock from the original Spider-Man trilogy. Yeah. You have the Green Goblin. Okay. And then from the second Spider-Man series, you've got Jamie Foxx's Electro, Thomas Hayden Church's Sandman. Um, I can't remember which one the lizard was in, but Reese Siphons is also in it. And so basically all these villains are coming in from other universes and getting all mixed up and going, wait, who is this Peter Parker? I don't know if that's my Peter Parker. What's going on? But I'm still going to try and kill him, you know? <laughs> that's interesting. Very meta. Yeah. Very fan service okay. um, Oh, It's yeah. very fan service so, so this is the negative, right? Like, they showed all of this, basically, in the most recent trailer. And 
I, I was just like, I don't know if this is going to be okay. Like, this is a lot to put in one film. Sure. And it's a lot basically just saying, look what we can do. You know, like <laughs> we have our cool universe, our MCU, but we can still have the power to bring in people from, you know, prior franchises. But um, no Andrew Garfield. Just, well, that's <laughs> Toby <remains>. Maguire. <laughs> yeah, or Toby Maguire. So that remains the question. Yeah. Interesting. It has been heavily, heavily rumored that both of the other Spider-Men are going to show up. Okay. I feel like it's a guarantee. This is so Because much. you can't bring those villains in and leave out their Peter Parkers, right? Right. And so um, that sets that sets us up for, like, a very weird, like, do they all think they're Spider-Man? Okay, wow. Oh like, my it's going to be like the meme where they all point at each yes. other. <laughs> <laughs> if they actually recreate oh, that meme, they have to. They have to. I mean, that would just be an iconic moment if they did that. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I'm definitely, uh, I have to admit, I already have tickets to that like opening uh-huh. weekend at Alamo Draft House. Just wow. like the full, I know. It'll be, that'll going. be fun. They said Good for it you. It was hard to get tickets. Like it was almost um, as hyped as Endgame, I think they said. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I and napped so, during yeah. that so one, by be... the way. You <laughs> napped during Endgame? I've totally fell asleep in the middle of it. It is a long movie. It's very long. But and it, the, it, the it, chairs go back now. So you can just like totally. <laughs> That's true. They made movie going a extremely. They've made it extremely comfortable to fall asleep at the movies these days. <laughs> I love that, um, Jill. Let's talk about Matrix Resurrections, which yes, I'm please, sure because that was going to be my yes, third. Yes, I, I felt it coming. So let's just let's just Keanu, get there. Keanu, Keanu. I know. <laughs> I think we're I think we're ready for this movie. This is a very specific point in time and those of us who watched the original trilogy in the theater like i i feel like we are ready for this moment so i can't quite figure out what's going on based on the trailers can you what's the plot of resurrections (laughs) so i will put the caveat that they are probably hiding a lot still okay my theory is that everything that we've seen so far in the trailers is only the first 30 minutes of the film oh interesting Because what we've seen is a lot of rehashing what Keanu Reeves' Neo has gone through, Mm -hmm. right? He's he's being woken up again. He's, you know, having visions and all this kind of stuff. So I think it's going to start that way, right? And we're all going to think that's where it's going. And then they're just going to kind of flip the script on us and say, oh, actually, here's this even wilder story, you know? Um, And I just, it's Lana Wachowski is such a great creator and Mm -hmm. she has been thinking about this one for a long time right um and i don't think that keanu reeves or carrie ann moss would have gotten involved if they didn't think it was a great story so that gives me a lot of hope and then the other thing is of course we have a lot of new people showing up in this one who may or may not be playing characters that we saw in the previous films right so we've got yaya abdul mateen playing Morpheus. That's what they've said he's doing. Okay. Lawrence Fishburne has so far denied that he's in the film. Okay. We don't know where that's going. It could just be a different version of Morpheus. Obviously, things can look like whatever they want to in The Matrix. Um, And then we also have Jessica Henwick, who um, was in Marvel's Iron Fist series and deserved a lot more 
credit because she was amazing and she should have just been Iron Fist. Yeah. But so she's in this and she looks super cool. She's got blue hair. She's all slick in the, you know, leather and stuff and bringing Neo back in, waking him up. Um, and then you have Jonathan Groff and Neil Patrick Harris possibly playing agents or the architect, right? You remember those? Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's it's a lot. Again, it's a lot. But that said, it looks so cool. It does. <laughs> That's it promising. Does look super cool. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I did not know, and I only learned from reading IO9's coverage, is that so in between the original films and this latest one, there was an online matrix game. Yeah. And so there are some things that happen in this game, which if, you know, obviously if you went to see it in theaters originally, like you probably didn't even know this game existed, but there are things that happened in the game that might have influenced the plot of this movie. Can you correct? tell us what's happening? Yeah. So this game, it lasted for several years, right? It was an MMO RPG. So tons of people playing it. It was like this open cityscape in the matrix and, you know, lots of stuff happens, but in the storyline kind of towards the end, there's this fight between different factions and Morpheus ends up quote unquote dying. Okay. And there's people there that still believe he's out there. And so the theory is that this new Morpheus is the one who died previously in the game, but has come back with maybe some slightly different code or something, you know? Um, Okay. So it's interesting that they would pull from that because, like you said, not everybody played it. Um, A much smaller viewing audience probably probably played it. Um, And it's just, even if they, even if this does follow through, you don't obviously have to have played the game to just enjoy the story. Sure. Yeah. Um, but for those who did, it's a really cool Easter egg. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Cause yeah, you'd have to, you'd have to make it make sense for people who've never played the game, but also again, fan service for people who loved the matrix enough to devote endless hours to playing this game. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, so tell us a little bit about, uh, 8-Bit Christmas, which is, uh, one of the few, holiday movies that actually looks interesting to me this year. Netflix has, you know, like, I think every holiday season they have like 20 Christmas prince, princess, Christmas castle situation. Um, (laughs) And there's a lot of those again this year. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, I I can't even deal with that right now. But 8-Bit Christmas (laughs) looks kind of like, I mean, it basically is a Christmas story for Gen Z. I assume. Yes. Right. A Christmas story, the movie, a Christmas story. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so what exactly is going on in 8-Bit Christmas? And have you both seen it? Can you vouch for it's is it a is it a timeless classic? I have not seen it, but it is out um on HBO Max if folks want to. So it's a little easier to see at this time. Um Neil Patrick Harris, he's coming up again. Um Man is so busy. He's very busy. Uh What's cute about it is, right, you know, when we were kids, everybody, Nintendo is coming out. Oh, my gosh, it's so cool. Um, Of course, not everyone got one. It was difficult to get. It was expensive. And so that's sort of what this movie is about. He doesn't have one, but now he's on a quest to get one. And it's just, you know, him 
as an adult telling the story to his kids and then his flashbacks with a, a young kid playing him. Um, and I just think, you know, it is a really cool way to sort of reinvent that story um, for, for like you said, this, this generation. Um, Cause my gosh, I mean, how topical is that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's even still relevant. Like you can't get a game con- console today. Like it's, and they're still <laughs> so expensive. Like it's impossible. Mm-hmm. Flo, you have seen it though, haven't you? Did yeah, you watch I watched it? it. I watched over a Thanksgiving holiday because I was really curious is about it. A, it's, is it as timeless as the Christmas story is? So no. I, the, the look on your face says no. <laughs> I listen. It was it was good fun. I enjoyed it. I watched the whole okay. thing from beginning to the end. And I, by the way, as a side note, I really appreciate like the Matrix is coming to HBO Max. I am very dubious about going to the theater currently until my kiddo can get vaccinated. I'm just like. Maybe a morning matinee or something. I don't know. But uh, for now, I'm staying away from the theater. So I'm happy I can just do it at home. And Epic Christmas was fun. But and actually, this theory comes from my husband. But he's like, so this is basically, we're just going to do this every 30 years, 40 years. We're just going <laughs> to redo the Christmas story for like two generations over. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I'm like, you know, it makes sense, It's right? better than most reboots, honestly. Yeah. Seriously. Oh, he <laughs> was like five years. He yeah. was getting so he was incredibly triggered by everything they were showing because my husband is Gen. <laughs> my husband's actually Gen X. I'm millennial. So I didn't really grow up with the 80s things that he did because I came in at the end you know, of that decade. So he was like, oh, yeah, I had that. I had that. I remember I had that. It was just very like <laughs> just a nostalgia <laughs> jump for him. And so I kind of, you know what? I did enjoy it for that. I'm not going to lie. Okay. It was an enjoyable film. Just if you have HBO Max, watch it. It's definitely will yeah. get you in the Christmas spirit. Well, that's good. Um, so, Flo, you touched on this uh, just now about, you know, during the pandemic, movie studios were experimenting with, I mean, were forced to just release movies in any way they could outside of the theater because we couldn't go to theaters. Um, so we are moving away from that now that more people god willing not enough people yes <laughs> more people need to get vaccinated but you know um and jill you've written about this before because now that we've seen how easy it is for movie studios to release films simultaneously digitally and in theaters or to just experiment with the release schedule in general you know obviously they're fighting that they want people to go to the theater but it's not just good because we're still in a pandemic. There are also accessibility reasons to to make that more of a standard. Um, so I'd like to hear why that's so important. For sure. Yeah. So let me start off by saying that, you know, no one, no one wants movie theaters to go out of business. We love going yeah. to the movies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a really hard time for everyone. And that these studios started, um, especially, you know, as journalists, we get screeners sometimes ahead of time, right? And not having to go to a theater was a boon for us for a lot of reasons, because you want to be able to take notes. You want to be able to pause, mm-hmm. rewind, right. make sure you're getting everything out of the film that you're supposed to. And that was great, right? Because usually these screenings that happen in person are in L.A., and New York. Right. Right. And not every journalist lives there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, contrary to popular opinion. Right. Um, so <laughs> having these screeners opened 
up the ability to review and cover these films from a wide variety of people, right? And it's not just folks like me who are disabled and have issues, you know, just getting out to the theater, not not even with a pandemic going on, right. um, but also people from marginalized communities who aren't living in those places, like I said. Um, and the fact that studios now are like, well, we're just not giving screeners like that anymore is just heartbreaking, you know? Like, there's no reason to do it. Have the option for both. It's fine. Like, you know, I've said before, no one's going to ding your film because they watch it at home and, and, oh, I didn't have the sound, you know, on surround sound or whatever, you know, right. we're not going to do that because we're smarter than that. Yeah. Um, but even like in, so outside of journalism, obviously for the, for the viewing public and like Flo said, you know, she's got a kid that she's worried about. Yeah. Lots of people are in that situation. Um, having these movies, having a dual release is just, I think, what the future is going to hold. And anybody trying to hold back from that at this point is just going to get left in the dust. Yeah. It's, you know, I just saw the other day they announced a new, a third Magic Mike movie. I don't know if you heard that. Yes. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So then I found out they are only releasing it on HBO Max. Oh. So that's the other thing that's happening now is that these Girls stream services in. are trying yes. to pull <laughs> subscribers in by putting these exclusives. Yeah. And it's it's wild to me. Like on one hand, there's there's supposed to be a um Batgirl movie, first live action Batgirl movie, but it's also gonna be on HBO Max only. Now to huh. me, I'm like, Barbara deserves to be on the big screen, right? Mm-hmm. Why are you doing that? Yeah. For sure. But again, they want to get the subscribers because that's very important to them at this point. Yeah. Um so it's just it's a really weird kind of in the middle situation where everyone is really still trying to figure out, you know, what they want to do, what works best. And the studios are just kind of testing everything at this point. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, it seems like it's, it's better for everyone if you give people the choice of where to watch something, because there are those of us who love the experience of going to a movie theater. And there are people who just have never liked going to the movies, but just like to watch things at home. And you can get money out of those people yes. in any way. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I will give I mean, you think money. About how Disney Plus was <laughs> yeah. doing it. Yeah. Disney Plus was, you had to be a subscriber, plus you had to pay like another $30 on yeah. top of that. People and people did, did, it. It. did it. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that's the future. And if the studios are going to hold back, that's that's just leaving money on the table, honestly. Well, thank you so much, Jill, for joining us. This was great. You're so welcome. I'm so excited to see all of these movies. And um, we are so glad you could join us. Hey. Thanks, Jill. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch. Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery.
Well, now that we've determined that 8-Bit Christmas is not the classic that you will be showing your child every mm-hmm. year until she did watch she's... it, but well, <laughs> it's not going to be like let's sit around the fireplace and watch 8-Bit Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but tell me what I well, first of all, I want to know what holiday movies you grew up watching and what you plan to screen for Mona every year until she's fleeing the house because she doesn't want to watch it again. <laughs> I didn't I didn't watch very many Christmas movies growing up. Was, I know, sadly. Well, my parents are immigrants, so that wasn't there's like... No, there's no Romanian <laughs> classics? No Romanian um, holiday classics? I am... So I've actually started kind of down the rabbit hole of trying to figure out, you know, what can I impart onto Mona? Like, what can I bring over from the old country? Mm-hmm. On Christmas Eve, what I will actually do is at night, I will VPN into Romania, and then I will stream <laughs> Romanian TV, because okay. they'll do like... It's the morning of there when it's like Christmas sure. Eve here in California. Right. So it's like they'll... F- as much as I don't agree with how much the church is uh, featured on the news in Romania, I do like to watch like, oh, here's all the Romanian people going to church at midnight. And oh, here's all the beautiful decorations and cold ass Europe. So, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I, I try to do that to kind of bring ambiance. But in terms of movies, the one that started with my husband, who is American, born and bred, he... We do the National Lampoon's Christmas every single year. Okay. And uh, it's... That's a good one. It's been extremely memed in this household, as much as Chevy Chase is now extremely problematic because of his just very terrible opinions on things. You know? You know, that's that particular mm-hmm. movie. With all of, again, it's very problematic beings is... <sighs> it's a classic. <laughs> it is still well, makes me good. laugh. Yeah, that's a good one to share. Um, so I grew up watching, no, like no one has seen this movie. It's called Prancer. It's, oh, I remember, I, I'm Googling it. Okay. I remember what you're talking about. Okay. So it's about a girl yep. whose mom died. Her dad is like emotionally stunted and she. Played by Sam Elliott. Yes. And. So she encounters this reindeer. I, I believe they hit the reindeer with the car, right? If, am I remembering A classic trope of how to classic how, enter a reindeer. Let's hit it with a car. <laughs> yes. So, and she believes that the reindeer that they hit is Prancer, the, you know, a, one of Santa's reindeer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's like taking care of it. I don't want to ruin it for anyone, but it is wonderful. And I don't know why I love it so much, except I grew up watching it every year with my grandma. Um, And so that was just like the one that we watched together. And I've tried to show it to other people and they kind of like tap out. (laughs) So I don't know if it's bad. (laughs) In my mind, it's good. (laughs) I mean, look, part of the magic of movies is that you will have a resonance with the movie. Like, for instance, one of my favorite Christmas movies is a totally random French movie that I found back in the, I know, back in the, Back in the beginning Netflix days when that was like all I could afford on my journalist salary Mm -hmm, (laughs) um, to have his streaming. And there was a movie called, uh, oh, my God, I, I, okay, I'll put it in the show notes after because I'm going to have to Google it after we're finished recording. But it's a 
It's a beautifully done French movie about an extremely dysfunctional family that like mm. lies to each other and is passive aggressive to each other, but their mother is dying. And so that brings everybody together for this holiday. Listen, incredible it resonance. Sounds, it sounds very flow. It, yep. It's just like, this it. is, this is something mm-hmm. that resonated with me. I like cried through it. I was like, this is so beautiful. I feel so seen. And I think that's like the beauty of a lot of these Christmas movies is even if somebody doesn't, I'm going to say holiday movies. Even if somebody doesn't understand why it's hitting your heart, like mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter because it still exists yeah. in the zeitgeist for a particular reason. Uh, you know, it's yeah. why I people. Don't, I don't know if that. Uh, I don't know if that French one will uh, will resonate with it's, most people. <laughs> I, it was in the. It was yeah. It was good. It was very well acted. It has a lot yeah. of very popular French actors in it. But um, is it an old movie? No, it was done in the th- 2000s, so it's, like, okay. relatively, you know, Yeah, I feel new-ish. like all of my Christmas faves are, like, very old. Um, I mean, Prancer's from the 90s, but I'm talking, like, so White Christmas is my number one of all time. Mm-hmm. It's a Bing Crosby movie. Mm-hmm. It's very 50s. Like, there's an entire musical interlude where there's just a lot of dancing, and there's, like, it's not related to Christmas 50s at Hollywood. Chef's oh, yes. <laughs> it's incredible. You're like, oh, they had a really big costume budget and they were just like, 30 minutes of this movie could just be dancers. And you're like, I love this. Um, but this is one my sister and I grew up watching together. So we love classic movies. And now she started showing it to her kids. And so there's funny little lines from the movie that... My niece, when she was little, would just run around the table, like, quoting this line that she didn't understand whatsoever. <laughs> but it just made it that it just made it so much better that she this was so taking special. something from it. Oh, yeah. my goodness. And then, of course, there's, like, It's a Wonderful Life and mm-hmm. Meet Me in St. Mm-hmm. Louis. All of those. My favorite. Yeah. My husband loves the Garfield Christmas special, like it's shown around here. <laughs> what? I need to talk to Eric. What's going on? Not like Charlie Brown or, you know, the Garfield Christmas special. Yeah, you know, there, Eric, he also what? like he also grew up listening to, I guess, in the Midwest, like you could get the radio on tape. And so he he has started doing that with Mona, where he will play the nightly episode that you need to listen to because you would like listen and tune into the radio, right? And do like a radio series. So he's been doing that with Mona to try. and Oh, like, wow. Yeah. So he has a lot of traditions really that I inherited. Sound. You, <laughs> he's playing radio plays every night for money. You're making him sound like 80 years old, by the way. <laughs> well, he's going to love listening to this. Well, it's because my husband is so much more like Americana than I am, right? Because again, immigrant parents from Eastern Europe, sure. like we had very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did some American things like the cookies and carrots in front of the fireplace yeah. of Santa and his reindeer get fed. But, uh, sure. mm-hmm. you know, I'm still learning like the American stuff that maybe I need to pass down on Timona. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's a process. she's multicultural. She'll... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't I think maybe Charlie Brown instead of Garfield, though, I'm just going to slide that one in there. We're going to oh, just think about well, it. One last thing I will say, and this is extremely flow, okay. is what I do play every year while we're opening presents. 
I have a whole playlist on my Plex server of every 90210 Christmas episode from every single season. So oh. we'll go season one oh, to yeah. 10. <laughs> we, we just <laughs> I should have seen that coming. <laughs> So we start with like the first Christmas in Beverly Hills where they spray paint the tree. And then we end with like the last Christmas in Beverly Hills, which is when Steve has a baby. So it's it's a beautiful, you know, and by the time we get to Steve, my guests come over and they're like, oh, God, this again. And I'm like, yeah, would you like to sit and watch? (laughs) I love that. Mona's just going to think like. When she's 30 years old oh, she recording knows a podcast, she's going to be like, my my mom raised me on 90210 Christmas episodes. I did. I did. I love that. And I love that. She recently watched Kelly in a Fire. So it was, you know, and really That's edifying material. Well, she didn't know what was going on. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> you say that, but, Yet. you know, when she's in therapy. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that closes us out. (laughs) So uh, before we go, obviously, we'd like to thank our producer, Michaela Heck, who is sadly departing us and we will miss her dearly. Um, She has really made this whole thing possible. So thank you, Michaela. Uh, We also like to thank our sound engineer, Ryan Allen, and our art designer, Vicky Lita. And if you would like to provide us with some feedback, ask us some questions, recommend some other stuff for Flo to watch around the holidays, because <laughs> 90210 is a lot. Um, you can email us at gadgets at gizmodo.com. You can tweet us at gizmodo. And you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Caitlin underscore McGarry. And Flo is at oh, that Flo. Please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're using Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating. Five stars would be great, but, you know, no pressure. Um, And a review because it helps other people find us. Until next week, Flo. Goodbye. Bye, everyone.